You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Jets podcast. It is Tuesday, February 18th, 2020. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. Great to be with you today as we talk about the New York Jets. As always, if you like our show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. Well, I hope you had a good weekend, everybody. It was a long weekend for many people. We took Monday off on our show, but we are back today. Also, hope you enjoyed our week of shows last week where I joined Mike and Joe, Mike from Locked On Patriots and Joe from Locked On Bills, to offer you a view of the AFC East and get an outside perspective on where the Jets stand in addition to our other AFC East competitors. But we're back to our regular schedule this week. And on today's show, what I wanted to do is offer my thoughts on where the Jets' current roster stands right now on the offensive side of the ball. There's this system that I stumbled upon years ago that I like to kind of help you take inventory of your roster, and it's a tier system. It places every player on your team into one of four tiers. Tier 1 guys are the elite players at their position. They're, They're the difference makers. They're the guys, top of the line type players. Tier 2 falls into two different categories. There there are what I'd call Tier 2A guys who are players who are above average starters but below superstar level. And then there are the Tier 2, what I'll call Tier 2B guys. And what those guys are, they're under 25, and they have promise. They could eventually turn into above-average starters, or if everything goes right, they could actually turn into Tier 1 guys. So there's a couple different Tier 2 guys. Tier 2A are guys who are good right now, not superstars. Tier Tier 2B guys are guys you have reasonable hope can develop into difference makers. Tier 3 are guys who are just okay. You know, well, you, you ever hear the expression, Jag, just another guy? They're okay. I mean, they're they're not total scrubs, but they're not that great. And again, I divide them into two categories. You have tier three A, who are guys who are veteran type players who are you know just kind of okay, and then tier three B guys who are guys we'll say twenty five or younger who have the chance to develop into a guy who's okay or maybe even an above average starter. And then you have the fourth tier guys who are you know practice squad level guys, guys who are just kind of filling out your roster. So. Today what we're going to do is we're going to go through players on offense for the Jets. And we'll start at the quarterback position with Sam Darnold, and I don't think that there's going to be a lot of debate on this one. I think Darnold's pretty clearly a Tier 2 B-type guy. So B is means you're 25 or under, and you have potential, and a lot of it's going on potential. You know, Darnold, you, I've said many times, you can kind of take whatever you want it, whatever view you want, there's enough evidence to support it. If you want to say Darnold's not that good, if you want to say there are alarming signs around Darnold, you can take that point. But there's been, there have been some really good moments for him, and there's a lot of potential there. Look, the re- there's a reason that he was drafted third overall. There's potential there. It doesn't necessarily mean you fulfill the potential, but the potential is there. And a lot of Darnold, again, is unknown, and part of that is just because the Jets have not really put him in a position where he was going to be able to maximize his ability, maximize his production if possible. But I think that Darnold pretty clearly here is a tier two guy right right now. He has the tools to develop into a good quarterback and potentially a difference maker. It, you know, it depends. He's only two years into his career. He's still very young. It's one of the things that's easy to lose track of. 
And I mentioned that to the guys last week. This is if Sam Darnold had played out his entire college eligibility, this would be the draft he'd enter. You know, this was 20, 2019 was supposed to be his senior year at USC. And that's something that's easy to lose track of, and it's it's really significant because for a young, I think for a young quarterback to be, I'd say holding his own in the NFL, if nothing else, I think you could say he's, he held his own with the Jets. He's held his own on a team where there was not a lot surrounding him. This is not a guy who is surrounded like Mark Sanchez was early in his career, who was surrounded by a great offensive line, a ton of weapons, and helped by a great defense. This was a Darnold was placed on a team where that was very quarterback dependent, and while there were some rough games, there were also a lot of really good games. So I, I think Darnold right now, I'd put him tier two in the B category because B means you're 25 or younger, and you have potential to grow into something more. Now we move to the running back position, and we'll talk about Le'Veon Bell. And this one, I think, could get you into some debate because Bell at one point was a Tier 1 player. Now, do you want to argue he's a Tier 2 player after missing the 2018 season and a difficult 2019? Do you want to argue argue he's a Tier 3 player because you know it's been two, three years since he was dominant? I'm inclined to give Bell the benefit of the doubt still. I'm going to say he's a Tier 1 player. Now, he may he's kind of on the border with uh, some of the other tiers right now. I think that 2020 is an important year for him, but as much as people want to say you know, he struggled, as much as people want to say he's lost a step, he was put in a really rough position. He was not put in a position that really maximized his capabilities. And I go back to this. Like, I don't care what you say. The, there's, the Jets should have gotten more out of him as a receiver. The fact that they did not get more out of him as a receiver, that's to me, that's on the Jets. That's more that's more on the Jets than it is on Bell. They really did not utilize him in, a, in an effective way as a receiver. I know they, they, threw, they threw him the ball a lot, but they did not put him in a position to make plays, and I think we all know what the issue is on the offensive line. And, look, I mean, from watching some of the games, particularly early in the season, it's kind of clear to me that – as bad as things were, I think they would have been worse if Bell hadn't turned. I mean, there were some like negative two-yard runs that Bell turned into two-yard gains. I, I think as bad as the situation was for the Jets, and it was bad. And look, you know, part of the reason I think Mike McCagnan's plan was bad is that he did not put the pieces around Bell that ne- Bell needed to thrive. You know, I don't know how you pick up a back like this, pay it back the amount of money the Jets are paying Bell, and then stick that offensive line in front of him. Uh, that just really doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But my view is still that Bell can be part of the solution. So I'm going to go ahead and give him the benefit of the doubt. And part of this might just be that the Jets you know, clearly don't have a lot of great pieces. Uh, so I'll I'll still say that Bell, I think, can be a Tier 1 player if he's put in the right situation. We'll see. You know, I'm not, I don't have a ton of conviction in that. I could be proven wrong this next season. But that's kind of where I view things right now. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit and no waiting at the pharmacy. 
Right now, we have a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com. You get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com. Promo code LOCKEDON to try it for free. Locked on Jets podcast here on this Tuesday. It is February 8th, 2020, and I'm talking about what tiers I'd put players on the Jets offense. Again, when I'm going four tiers, tier one's elite players, tier two are guys who are either good starters right now or younger players who have the potential to grow into either good starters or even elite players. Tier three are guys who are just kind of okay, you know, guys who really don't move the needle at all. And then tier four are guys who arguably don't even belong in the NFL. Uh, Jamison Crowder, I think that this one's pretty clear. He's a Tier 2 guy, Tier 2, and he's he would fit the, the older player category, what I call Tier 2A, where he's over 25 years old. He's It's not about the potential. It's about the actual project, production with Jamison Crowder. He was probably the most consistent Jets receiver on a week-to-week basis. Now the games, you know, the games Jamison Crowder, his best games don't match up to a, a Robbie Anderson and, or his best games. But I thought Crowder did, you know, turned out turned out to be a pretty decent signing for the Jets. I think if you look back, the 2019 free agency period was not a successful one for the Jets in general. But Crowder was a signing that really worked out for the team. Finished the season with 78 catches, 833 yards, and six touchdowns out of the slot. Now, if you're Best receiver, if your most consistent receiver is Jamison Crowder, it's not a great thing for your offense. And it clearly was not a great thing for the for the offense that Crowder was probably the best receiver the Jets had in 2019. And that's one of the reasons the Jets fell so low in the offensive output categories in the NFL. But that's not really Crowder's fault. The Jets brought Crowder in for a specific role. They wanted him to be effective out of the slot. And I think by all accounts, he clearly was. So... That's, you know, the, the, what the Jets need to do is they need to get pieces around Crowder. Again, I, I go back to this is players are either part of the solution or they're part of the problem. And I, I would argue that Crowder is part of the solution. I think he, if he's your like your third or fourth best receiver, then, then you're in pretty good shape. So the Jets, it's not that the Jets need to get rid of Crowder. It's that the Jets need to put better players around Crowder. And then this offense will really start to roll. Chris Herndon, I'm going to give him a, a tier two and be rating because I think that this is a guy with a lot of potential. This was a nightmare season for Chris Herndon. I don't think anybody could argue anything other than that. The fact he only played one game, the fact he only had one catch. But, you know, I think back to 2018 and the chemistry he had with Darnold, how he get, kept getting better as the season went along and just the, his athleticism. This was a guy who at this point last year was kind of looking like a draft steal in the fourth round and maybe the Jets caught a little break because A, his production was lowered in college just because he was surrounded by other good tight ends who limited his playing time, and B, because he suffered an injury late in his college career and really stood out in his rookie season. Uh, year two was a disaster, so now year three it becomes a big year for Chris Herndon. And it reminds me a bit, not entirely because Herndon was suspended and the guy I'm about to mention was really injured, but I remember Marcus May had a really rough year two for the Jets, and bounce back in a big way in year three. So I think you, that's what you're hoping to see out of Herndon this coming season. 
now also at the receiver position, you have Quincy Inunua, and this is another guy who had one catch for the Jets this season, who only played one game for the Jets. Another, you know, her, you talk about Herndon one game, now Inunua one game, and we know the injury issues Inunua's had. He's had a tough time staying on the field. It's disappointing because back in 2016, he had a really nice season. And it was almost to the point where I think people were maybe overhyping him a little bit. People were talking like Quincy Inunua was going to be a number one receiver in this league, which was kind of a kind of a jump to make after the uh, 2016 season. But you certainly were, at least I was not expecting his career to fall off to the extent it has. Back in 2017, he missed the entire year because he suffered an injury in a training camp practice. 2018, only 38 catches for 449 yards, and then. 2019, his stats are one catch for negative four yards. So it's been a rough couple of years for Inunua. And it's a question of whether he's still going to be on the team. I think right now you'd have to say he's a tier three kind of guy because he's had, he's had one really good season. And then there have been other years where he's chipped in so, some nice some nice games. But he's not a guy you can really count on at this point as a quality starter. You can't really, there's not really a lot you can say about Inunua with confidence heading into the 2020 season. And ultimately this is a guy with, you know, a pretty solid season back in 2016, but that's, that's at this point, that's four years ago. And he really hasn't produced much other than that, you know, outside of that one season where he went over 800 yards, he didn't do. He didn't do. He hasn't done much. I mean, that's the only season where he's over 500 yards for his career. So, you can't really expect a whole lot out of him. And we're kind of past the point. He's going to be 28 when the season starts, which isn't that old. But we're kind of past the point where you can say a guy's an ascending player. You're kind of past the point, I think, where you can say you have legitimate upside here. And Nunwa, right now, the questions are after suffering couple serious neck injuries is can he even play and at what level can he play at this point so I can't go any higher than tier three although I do think he has the skills that make him better than like a tier four guy who's barely hanging on in the NFL that said I mean you can't really expect much out of him locked on Jets podcast here on a Tuesday talking about which tiers Jets offensive players uh, fit in and we'll go back to the tight end position Ryan Griffin I mean for me this one's pretty clearly a tier three guy I mean if you all you need to know about Ryan Griffin is that people are talking about what an incredible season he had, and his season was 34 catches for 320 yards. And this was a guy who averaged around like 24 yards a game, and people are talking what an incredible season he had. It's a tight end who could not stretch the field at all, was a bad blocker, and you know caught a couple caught, caught a couple touchdowns in the red zone. He did have five touchdowns this season, but. History shows us that a guy with a, that degree, that high of a touchdown rate, probably going to see it go down the next season. I mean, pretty much what he is is he's a useful, he's kind of a useful outlet on useful checkdown target at the tight end position. So that's a tier three guy for me. I can't really go any higher than that. And there's not again, there's no real upside here. This wasn't even the best year of his career, and now he's 30 years old. So uh, Griffin's a tier three guy. Also at the tight end position, you have Trevon Wesco. And he's also a tier three, but he's a tier three in the B category because this is not a guy who's proven anything. I think his blocking was pretty inconsistent this season. So, and again, this is a guy who really doesn't have much athleticism. This is never going to be a guy who's going to stretch the seam all that much. So he's going to never a guy who's really going to threaten a defense as a receiver. 
Um, only a couple catches this season. Tier three guy. At best, he's going to be a good blocking tight end, a decent fullback. You know, kind of like a third tackle kind of guy when you throw him out there. I can't go. Can't really go much higher than that. Back to the wide receiver position. I'm going to say Vincent Smith. I'd say he's a again a tier three, but a B category because he's got a lot of speed, and the Jets utilized him on a couple of end arounds. They utilized him on a couple of gadget plays. Um, you know, I don't know how good he's going to be, but I think just his speed alone and the fact he's only 23 means that there's at least some potential for him to develop into a role player. So he's going to be, again, a tier three, but a B, you know, a guy with potential to develop into somebody who's okay. Maybe if everything goes right, maybe he can turn into a decent starter, although I'm not going to count on that. So that's that's where I'd go with Vincent Smith. They go in the offensive line, Brian Winters, and again, I'm going to go with a tier three guy. This is not a good starter. I think this is a contract that's not really worked out for the Jets. Just put, gets pushed around too much. He's not physical enough. I really don't like interior linemen who struggle with physicality. You know, he's a guy who's a decent athlete. He can move a little bit, but I, yeah, I just don't. You know, you can't really go higher. You can't say Winters is a high end starter at the guard position. This is a guy on whom, ideally, the Jets would be able to upgrade on this guy. Uh, but they, that's, he's, it's amazing how long he's been around. You can do worse than Winters. And Winters is going to have a starting job, whether the Jets choose to keep him or the Jets choose to let him go. Because he is a step above some of the other guys. I mean, he's had a couple decent years in pass protection. And again, he can move. He does have a couple of redeeming traits. But it's just really tough when you have an interior lineman who's just struggles so much at the point of attack and you're sticking him constantly against like 290 pound 300 pound interior defensive lineman it's really tough on a on an offense and winters is not he really struggles quite a bit you can't go any higher than tier three uh chuma Idoga, i'm gonna say he's a tier two but again a tier two b guy who guy who has some potential um a guy i liked him as a draft pick i think he's got the raw athleticism to potentially be a, a starter in this league. He struggled quite a bit as a rookie, but that was to be expected. And when the Jets drafted him, I was not really expecting him to see much playing time as a rookie because I felt like there were some technical things that he needed to work out that probably he'd be best served working out on the practice field. And his struggles when he stepped into the lineup clearly showed that. Uh, so for me, Adoga, is a, he's a Tier 2 guy because I think he can turn into a credible starter. I think he could potentially be a credible starter at tackle. And the way things are kind of shaping up for the Jets, I mean, you'd have to assume that they're expecting him to do that. You have to expect that they're counting on him to do that because there aren't that many offensive linemen who are under contract for this team right now. So, and he's a third-round pick from a year ago. You need your third-round picks from a year ago to produce for you. So, Edoga, I think, is a Tier 2 guy, and the Jets just need to hope he turns into you know a legitimate Tier 2, not, not a Tier 2 guy with potential, but an actual Tier 2 starter this coming season. And then that's anybody beyond those guys, I would say is a tier four guy, a guy who's lucky to be in the NFL. And there are lots of guys, right. And who fit that category. So you may be wondering why, why didn't you say Robbie Anderson? Why didn't you say guys like Kelvin Beecham or Alex Lewis or Brandon shell? Well, because I wanted to take stock of where the jets are right now. So I'm only going with guys who are going to be under contract. I'm going to, for now I'm going to leave out the free agents. So we're not going to discuss any of them. At this time, I wanted to give you an idea of where I think the Jets stand right now. So 
you know, one tier one guy in Le'Veon Bell, which I guess is even kind of a stretch, I guess you could say, on the offense. So shows you the the extent to which the Jets really need to upgrade the offensive side of the ball. And then there are some guys with potential, but kind of lacking in the in the way of legitimate tier two guys right now. The, most of the tier two guys are tier two guys because they're young guys with upside who could potentially grow into good players, but not necessarily at that level right now. And those are your Herndons of the world. Those are your Edogas of the world, even Darnold to an extent. So it shows you Jets really do need to upgrade this this offensive side of the ball in both free agency and the draft this year. And that's one of the points I'm trying to make when I do uh, an episode like this where I'm taking stock of what the Jets have. It just kind of shows you when you lay it out like this how much work needs to be done by the Jets. And you know that's why Joe Douglas is here. He's, he's, here, he's here to do the work and upgrade this talent. That's all for our show today. Thanks for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you like our show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. Hope you have a great Tuesday, everybody, and we'll be back again tomorrow to talk more Jets.